You know, the first question you're going to have listening to this week's podcast is, why did Craig decide to record with the make me sound like I'm in a cathedral setting on? Truth is, we don't know. I did the best I could to fix it. And, and honestly, we have some good stuff to talk about with software licensing and vulnerability reporting programs on this week's episode. Even if you can't bring yourself to enjoy Craig and Infinite Reverb, at least enjoy knowing how much we've chastised him for recording this way. This is Beers with Hallows. Threats, beers, and most of this. Welcome or welcome back to Beers with Talos. This is episode 73. Today is February 19th, 2020. I am joined today by Joel Essler. Craig's, Craig's Craig typing, typing loud ass <laughs> keyboard with Craig attached. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It is that sensitive. And literally. Nigel Houghton. <laughs> We're going to start today off the same way we start off every podcast. Go around the table and get a quick thought that's on everybody's mind. I didn't do a random sort, so I am picking Craig. Oh, man. So this has been a pretty interesting week. You know, it's it could be a coincidence, right? I'm not saying it's connected, but it is interesting to know how we're seeing a noticeable slowdown in certain malware families, which just happen to coincide with the coronavirus would make life very difficult to live in some regions. Um, so I don't know how much to read into that. You know, when there's holidays, it's really easy to read into it and, you know, make a pretty educated guess that maybe they're from that region. But with things like global pandemics, I honestly, I don't have a lot of experience. So uh, I'm curious what you guys think, and I'd love to hear from people on Twitter, if they think the two could be connected or if it's just potentially a coincidence. You're talking about the slowdown in, in what, Craig, malware? Uh, spreading uh, yeah, so like, like, uh, due to a global Houston, pandemic from Canada. Um, uh, you know, an test one that we've previously been able to associate with, uh, you know, like Orthodox Christian holidays. Uh, yeah. So it's a little interesting. I don't know. I, I don't know anybody that, I mean, is it possible to get more data on this? Because one instance really doesn't. So, yeah. Is it valid, is right? Is Canada <laughs> affected by the coronavirus? Well, that's what I mean. I was assuming that's where it come from. I mean, it, right. they're saying, I mean, I did see the, you know, the, the, uh, the thing where there was a Canadian scientist, right. And something coming from one of their, uh, biological weapons labs that they have in Canada, who was, uh, you know, out there in China and doing stuff with coronavirus just things, saying. just saying, just you know, it's a full write up there on, and the tinfoil hat news websites about this. <laughs> Joel, what's on your mind? What's well, good. Um, we did a show in theater and uh, closed that, and so winning. Uh, and then, you know, I'm back to work. And, you know, for some reason, I've had like three major projects all converge on my team all at the same time. Um, so today I'm trying to kind of lighten the load, and I'm going through, you know, some uh, some some web logs to look for errors and things like that. And I'm noticing people trying to you know, download things like Snort version 1.8.2. <laughs> no way. Which was released in, you know, 1999, I think. So I don't know. It's it's fun. I, uh, so I guess all of that to say, my closing part of the opening would be a PSA of check your cron jobs because they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel, what is on your mind today, sir? <laughs> um. 
Well, lots of things. Um, not nothing that we can talk about on the podcast, <laughs> but uh, the the uh, yeah, the mighty Reds are in action again. Premier League this weekend, so we're looking forward to that one. And uh, they're actually it's going to be on Monday, actually. Um, so I, it's not really the weekend, but whatever. So we want to talk about a couple different things today. Uh, we want to talk a little bit at the end of the show about vendor bugs uh, and kind of the public perception and, and reaction around those. But we want to start off today talking a little bit about everybody's favorite topic and one that is in no way, shape, or form boring, software licenses. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Do we have to? <laughs> Craig, you brought this up. Actually, I think you're still muted, Craig. But Craig, you brought this up. Um, we want to talk a little bit about like software versus hardware and and, and features. Like the the crux of this conversation or where it started, you'd mentioned something about um, the the situation that happened with Tesla Auto Drive. Yep. And that's kind of what brought this topic into into the conversation. Yeah. So I think it's it's a broader topic, but to give people some background knowledge that it's going to be a hot topic, I'm sure people wonder. Um, there was a no one wanted. <laughs> there's at least one. <laughs> uh, there, was a, there was a news story basically about someone who went and bought a Tesla car, I don't even know which one, uh, but the list of features and software packages that it supported, which included things like AutoDrive, uh, that were you know, presumably included as part of the car when it was for sale, right, it was a listed feature, were then subsequently turned off by Tesla. And so you can understand that this is something that would make sense for the company, right? Obviously, if they have something that had a license term for one user and the device is sold or exchanged to another user, that license is not going to be agreed to by the user. There are going to be things that they have to click through and that may even involve part of paying a fee. Moving away from the Tesla example, but more towards the generic example, I think what we see now and what we'll continue to see in the future is that IoT devices that come into your environment or onto your network that have one feature set one day and then that feature set can drastically change over the lifetime of the device and the different users should use it. And so what I wanted to discuss was, you know, what do you guys think about that? How does that affect planning and, you know, how does that affect network defenses and how is that going to affect customers as they invite these devices into their network. Well, I think I think for me, it's it's. I mean, if if things have to be done for safety reasons, or whatever, I understand that, and and recertification, right. I understand it. However, I think that if you buy something and because of a feature, and it's under license, and then uh, at some point the company decides, you know what, they're turning that off. Well, that was the whole reason I bought the thing in the first place, right? No, exactly. I'm going to be extremely annoyed, no matter what well, it is. Right? I'm going to be. Example, though, right? I think when you're looking at devices and things that you're putting on your network, you've really got to sit back and look at it as a piece of hardware, right? And then you yeah. can look at, okay, well, today, what do I think the capabilities of this hardware are? But what are the superset? Like, what is the superset? Like, if I have a magical turn everything on one day, like maybe it becomes free. Maybe it's massively discounted. Maybe, you know, who knows? But worst case scenario, what's everything that can turn on and how do I prepare for it? Honestly, I don't see any other way to plan for a good network defense other than doing something like that because circumstances change. You know, I don't see how anybody can sit back and say, today, given the license of this device, I can guarantee it will only do that forever because the fact of the matter is you no longer control that. So, I mean, we have, we have 
features of the NGFW, right? The the Cisco firewall, where you know you buy the box and it gives you this set of features, and if you want this other set of features, you have to pay an additional license for it, and that's fine, right? But we can't go Those in are and yank a separate that license. off, right? And and I think it's it's. I think you're treading a fine line, like you know. Yeah, but once you I like George just like, said, once you have those things and you've bought that license, they are on. That's it, right? There's no like we're not going to come in and turn those off for you remotely later. Doesn't you know? That's not going to happen. I think, I think we're all kind of on the same page, right? Like meddling with features once you spec that device. While we have certainly have ethical opinions, it's I think we can all agree not something that the user directly controls. The user may have a degree of influence on it based on what they want to pay for it and if it's still offered by the vendor. But at the end of the day, a third party controls it. You brought it into your network. And so how do you plan for that from a security perspective? Yep. It's a dangerous world. You always suck. <laughs> no, I'm when was the last time you actually read no, one? Uh, <laughs> never. I Honestly. Um, you know, it's, I don't, I think... Changing it ULA once you ship something or once you've accepted a license for something is kind of BS. Um, I'm sure there's a clause in, you know, particularly Tesla's EULA that says if if the license changes hands for a car, they can kind of reset it, right? That, that would make sense to them to do. Um, I think I, I I don't think it's right, but right. it sounds like something that would be in the EULA. Well, and it's it's a little bit worse than that. I mean, like I mentioned uh, on the last episode of Richard Bill, he goes into the the other one that popped out in my mind as being well-intentioned yet right for abuse was the ability for Tesla to not only remove cars from their charging network, but effectively like push what sounds a lot like a blacklist to other networks and have cars removed from other vendors' charging. But you just said, but you've just said it's okay. It's okay for them to shut down charging on on all the networks. But it's not okay for them to like turn the car off. I mean, for the same I didn't issue, say it was okay. then I they've said made that was the intended well. Feature. <laughs> that's okay. That if that's the intended feature, then why not just shut the car off? Yeah, that's a, it's you know it's going to get really complicated really quickly. And so I think this idea of having features turned on and off based on who's using the object is going to be one that we see more and more. And so I think from a network defense standpoint. You really don't have any choice here, right? You've got to look at it like a computer. You've got to look at it like anything that the computer can do is possible, and you're not going to control it. You can take your best attempts to secure it. You can assume that you're going to block all the traffic for which you want it to do, but at the end of the day, you have to concede that you don't control that device. Well, there's another point there that you just raised, um, and that's something that we do all the time, and we we allow people to do things on networks and to access information based on who they are already, right? We do that uh, on, on a daily basis. Um, is this not the same thing? I mean, I'm not even talking about Tesla cars anymore. This is this is what you're doing. You're changing a feature set, right? I have I have a file server over here with a bunch of stuff on it, right? And when Craig logs in, he gets to download stuff of in from this particular place only, right? When Joe logs in, he can log, he can download all that stuff plus all of this stuff over here as well. So I'm changing a feature set there, right? I'm changing the things that you can get to and the, what you can do with that service. Yeah, 
Uh, and is it to me? I mean, it's the same idea. It's very right? is similar. It, is it, or is it something yeah, different? So I, I think it's very similar. I think my thoughts though are more around turning on and off services rather than extending existing services. Right. So let's let's okay. say I walk into my house. I mean, so so I come in then, and you know, you're you're on our network, right? But guess what? You're not allowed to use SSH anywhere on my network. Wait, Craig's on our network, and and well, that's why I don't let him use SSH, right? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> if Joel's on the network. He can use SSH. Damn right. Right. You're still on that same network using the same stuff, but the feature set for you is limited sure. compared to somebody else. But in that right? case, you control that as the administrator. Yeah. Right. right. As we get more of these IoT devices involved, I think you get less and less of a gradient of control. You know, a good example would be the. Uh, well, I still I still control what they do though on on my stuff. I mean, I can choose to not let them connect. Right, but right? You, but I think Craig's argument is in a case of Tesla, it's yeah. not the administrator; it is the company. That's like Cisco coming in and saying, yeah. you can't inspect traffic anymore. Have a nice day. Right. I mean, so what you're saying is what, what you're looking at here is something that's different. This is like allowing that device to be on my network and allowing someone else externally to decide what that device can and cannot do. But it doesn't stop me. It doesn't stop me from denying it access to things. It doesn't stop me from shoving it out on its own. That's what I'm right? At, right? Like, even if we don't think, like, even if I look at, like, let's say, one of those little smart hub home things with the screen today and it's only doing X, well, tomorrow, if yep. whoever brings in the phone and pairs with it, tells the vendor, oh, that you're now supporting you know, these eight file sharing protocols and photos and multimedia and Twitter and what is, what is the little TikTok? Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> TikTok's <laughs> dying, by the way. I'm just yeah, saying. So, that, you know. point, though, right? so I, yeah, it sounds like it sounds like you have a good point. You know, we can set up the access restrictions for the things that we control, and assume for the ones that we don't, we want to make sure that there's no permissions to do that, right? So right. I think that's the safe way to address it. I think it's going to be really interesting though, to see how much more of a problem that becomes. <laughs> In a way, like, isn't this something that's going to get people like to be even uh, more apprehensive to patch, right? If like, you know, yeah. it becomes norm that your firmware changes your feature set and what's available when you update. Oh, you know, you provided me a popular lawsuit against a company I don't want to think of because I own a lot of their products, but they have a music company, a popular video game console, and they used to allow Linux in the game system. And because of uh, bootlegging and people getting into Gee, who are you talking about? I mean, it's, it's, uh, let me think about it. Xbox. Yeah. Yeah. It was them. Definitely them. It, it was, it was a pain because you could, at that point, you could, there were people who had, um, connected like 50 or hundreds of these things together yeah. to make one giant computer, um, because they would be cheaper alternatives. To these, actually yes. doing and they were like bridging all the that? GPUs to make, yeah, it was like yeah. the poor man supercomputer yeah. kind of thing. That's right. Yeah, and it worked really well. Yeah, so that was a particular example where upgrading, which added features that were good and made things work better, actually removed major feature sets of the OS. Well, and those updates are are important because, I mean, it's not just the, uh, you know, less being afraid of losing a feature set, more being cautious of what bugs may have been discovered in that product or service in the meantime uh, and, you know, just getting that taken care of. Uh, and that's that's kind of the other thing we wanted to talk about today was we want to talk a little bit about vendor bugs. Um, 
we we had talked when we when we have our our little editorial meeting to discuss what we want to say on the show. The the discussion that we had about this kind of revolved around. Um, you know, is it better? You know, some people will say that it's better that like those secrets are left unsaid, that if a, a bug is patched and it's pushed out, we don't need to disclose this. We don't need to talk about this and bring attention to it. Um, the, the common thought there, I guess, is we see a lot of exploit after a bug is announced between between the disclosure and the patch, um, you know, the patch adoption, I should say. You know, we see all this. We see a lot of exploit. Um, and, you know, maybe if we didn't talk so much about it, that wouldn't happen. Well, so you're, you're not wrong, but I think the way this one came up is actually me and Nigel uh, complaining about something. Nigel and I. <laughs> Nigel and I. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel and I complaining about something. Uh, I think it started on Reddit. Uh, there was basically a vendor, who wasn't, I can't even remember. Um, but they put out uh, a bunch of bugs all at once, you know, like uh, their version of Microsoft Tuesday or whatever. And there was a thread on Reddit complaining about how many patches there were and how they assumed that this other vendor uh, was much more secure because they hadn't published any bugs. And so, of course, yeah. Nigel and I were just <laughs> slapping our knees laughing at them. Um, you know, and, and, you know I, that's obviously a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but the reality is, and I think something that's very important that everyone realizes, there is no one out there that writes 100% secure code. There is no QA right. team out there that has a massive major advantage and catches more bugs than ever. You know, I would say by and yep. large, in the grand scheme of things, all development teams are pretty much equal. Everyone is going to have bugs. Yeah. Now, the severity is going to vary, yeah. right? There's going to be companies that have yep. lots of silly mistakes. Uh, you know, we have tried to learn from that. We've made that mistake a lot. You know, uh, Microsoft, I believe, pioneered the idea of a product security baseline, we talked about it here. It's Cisco signed on board, and it's a list of stupid mistakes we're going to try really hard to never make again. And I think it's helped. We're definitely seeing less of them. It has not eliminated them, though. And I, so it, things yep. like that, bugs that we know to look for because we know it's a stupid mistake, will cause those vendors to find those issues very, very quickly. Not ideally, but not always. They even find them before they ship. But sometimes, Every now and then, you know, every now and then on certain products. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got to, you've got to, I think you also have to remember too that the uh, if you you can't rely on the QA team to find uh, bugs, you know, in your in your software necessarily, right? Because what they're doing is well, I mean, looking at it. Well, no, it's not. It's what's what they're doing is saying, do these things work? Right. Do, do, these are the features of this particular release. Is it all there? Does it work? Is everything okay? Making sure right. that the device functions. That's what they're doing. They're not go, jumping in there going, all right, let's see if we can uh, break this in some way. And so at Cisco, right? at Microsoft, and many, many other large, large companies, we have built teams that go back and double check and make sure that right. there are not any admin admin accounts or user user. Yeah. So, yeah. They do happen still. We're not going to pretend that was a magic bullet yeah. as much as we would love to. They do happen occasionally. We've all seen it. We've all been right. the butt of the joke. Every company. But yeah, and it's not. I say it's not. That's not a, the QA team that does that. This is a completely separate yeah. team. And often, you know, that their work is ongoing. You know, no matter what, it just continues on because you know it's it, sometimes these things can take quite some time to find. Right? If it's 
uh, if a bug is kind of buried down there, you're going to get into the point where we are now disassembling everything and, and images and we're looking at what is possible and, uh, you know, trying to actually find something it's, like that. Yes. It can be quite complex. And so that is the home stretch I want to get through your eyes. Hopefully you bring them around here as it's set. I can show them home. So when we have those type of environments, uh, when we have those type of plans, we do find these bugs, right? But because yeah, we find right. these bugs, we know that they're not in the field, and we know that the patch is available. And not only that, but people know about it so that they can't patch, they can have mitigations in place. They can go disable the account. They right. can have an intrusion prevention state turned on for anyone trying to yeah. log in as like the QA testing app, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. I, you know, when I see these type of things, I laugh and I think, well, you know what? Everyone has those QA accounts. Everyone's had those slipped products. At least these three vendors found the accounts and turned them off. What about the two that the yeah. internet has assumed are not vulnerable? Do you think they don't have QA test accounts? Because they do. Have they ever turned them off? Right. Hmm. Right. I mean, there's there's lots of instances of this, and and you know we come across vendors over the years who've actually changed their tune now as uh, quite a few of them but some of them still you know they don't well we, we don't want to announce this vulnerability because it's not public and we're kind of like well you're going to make it public though right because people need to know about this and um, well no if it's not public already then we're not going to uh, you know we don't want to <laughs> announce it well that's kind of like well, look, you, you know, you're not giving your customers the information that they should have. You're not tell, letting them know. One, I mean, let's say it's just it's a patch, right? That how would they know how important this patch really is to them if you're not telling them why they should patch right now? You know, people, for people to assume that if they don't say anything about a vulnerability, that that makes everything okay and that the bad guys then are not going to be made aware of it. No, they're looking at your stuff anyway. It doesn't matter what you say and what you don't say. They're looking at your stuff. They will find whatever problems are, are there. And and you letting your customers know, hey, this is a problem, blah, blah, blah. These are mitigating steps while you patch, etc. But make sure you patch and everything like that, you know, is is ruining the game for the bad guy. Well, right? No, they don't they no that longer have something I, I that's gonna work. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Let's look back at the mid to late 2000s, right? Let's start in like 2004. What was Windows security posture, right? Windows had hired up some of the best hackers in the industry, you know, people out of Uninformed and some other groups, uh, some of the LSD guys, and, and they were using those exploit developers to help figure out ways to automatically find bugs in Windows and address them. And so I think right. no one would argue yeah. with me when I say Windows went from one of the most exploited operating systems in the industry to one of the most secure. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. meanwhile, at the exact same time, everyone, by that example, was claiming that OSX was not accurate, that Macs were secure, right. they didn't get malware, they didn't have bugs. And we can look back right. and know for certain that that was not true. We know that those vulnerabilities were there. We know that people were yep. exploiting them on a limited basis. And so my point yep. is, if you don't know about the vulnerabilities in your device, you are wrong to assume they are not there. There are going to be remote code execution Correct. issues there. There are going to be privilege escalation issues. There potentially could be default accounts added. And if the vendor's not telling you about them, and if the vendor's not looking for them, if the vendor's not finding them themselves 
and working with the industry to fix ones that have been responsibly disclosed, they're not doing their job. And as a user, you need to realize that and steer clear of that vendor. Before we, before we wrap up today, I, I do want to uh, go around the table one more time and get closing thoughts and, and parting shots for everybody. See if I can remember the order we did this in before. I believe, Craig, you are up first. Yeah, um, so I just want to kind of uh, reiterate, right? Like, I don't want it to sound like we're against IoT devices. I think we can all agree IoT devices add a lot of cool features to life. You know, you walk in, the lights turn on, you know, the windows go to the position you want, the music starts. That's cool, and I think people should enjoy that. Super cool. Yeah, I think the important part <laughs> to realize, though, is that there are computers, you're not the primary administrator, and you've got to design your network security with that in mind. Maybe that's isolating to their own VLAN, special security controls. Maybe it's nothing. But at least know that when you deploy them, when you set them up, what the possibilities are. Because if you don't think about it, and you're going to be unprepared, and if something goes wrong, you're not going to know what to do. And, yeah. you know, if you think about it, even if you're not going to take some crazy network planning, at least you can have an idea of how to fix it. But, Joel, what's on your mind? Closing thought, parting shot. Oh God, I don't think you want to know what's on my mind. Um, I don't know. You know, I'm I'm fixing to get ready to go down to the elementary school here, watch my son in a pel- in a spelling bee. Oh, um, so I'm excited about that. Um, apparently, he's made the finals. Apparently, my son can spell. That's good. It's better than me. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, I you know I I agree with with you know with Craig and kind of with the rest of the panel. Like, I'm I'm not a big fan of you know once you've turned a feature on. Like you don't get to turn it back off. So I guess my moral of my story is read your EULAs because, you know, if you agree to it, they can do whatever they want. Find out who owns the product. Nigel. Right. Sir. Closing thought. Parting shot. Um, well, uh, the mighty Reds are marching. That's all I'm saying. Back in action in the Premier League. Um, we are currently looking at what... I think right now what we're concerned with is that you know making sure that Manchester City lose one uh, match, then one of their next couple of matches, so that we can win the title at Goodison Park against uh, the Blue Noses. Otherwise, we'll probably have to wait for another week and win it at home against Aston Villa. Um, but we're aiming to to beat them at Goodison. That would be fantastic. We just put you know a bit of icing on there on the cake for the fun. season that would you know what I mean and um, and then yeah then Atletico Madrid coming to Anfield and learning what it's like to actually play football you know uh, that was going to be excellent as well and um, yeah just uh, you know keep your eyes open you know what I'm saying I just want to thank everybody for joining us today uh, we will be out at RSA this week two of us from the podcast will be there several of us from Talos uh, Matt only will also be out there we have a couple cool events going on, so make sure you stop by the SOC for our IR team SOC talks or stop by the Cisco booth in the main hall uh, and see some folks from Talos and meet some folks from the IR team as well. But thank you for joining us and join us again in a couple weeks when we put out another episode. And until then, like, subscribe, and do the same for your friends by stealing their phones. Cheers. Lights out, Mitchell.